Welcome to Central Assembly of God's podcast. We pray this message speaks to you. Good morning. I want to do something different. I don't know about you, man. God just always messed me up. <laughs> you feel God messed up? It's always messed me up. You know, you, sometimes you come, you have an idea that you want to do or something. You know, you want to teach, preach, whatever, and God just messed you up. <laughs> you feel that God messed you up? He just loves to mess up, kind of thing. And I got 10,000 things running through my mind even this morning. And uh, thank you, Adam, for all the, worship, the songs. And, you know, it's just amazing how God brings even this service together with Elaine's story and everything, uh, with the songs, everything. You know, you, the theme of the songs running all together, talking about surrendering, talking about trusting in Him, talking about giving all to Him, everything. Um, it's just amazing how God brings everything together. Uh, together this morning um, as you know that you know I'm sending my daughter to school in the next few days so some of you have done that before uh, just pray for me because I have to pay the tuition fee <laughs> don't pray for her pray for me um so, uh, you know, you always think that you, 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 you finish your school and your university, you, you thought you're done with all the schooling. Man, when you have kids going to college, you still go back to school. And you still have to do a lot of things. So, uh, new season of life. This is our second kids going to college. So, hopefully, they study hard. They don't waste my money. <laughs> Get on fire for God there. And it just enjoys. You know, I always tell college students, enjoy your life in college. After that, Bills, 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 bills. Responsibility, responsibility, responsibility. And just go all, I tell them, just go all out for God. Because, you know, the college world are all crazy students. Just be crazy for God. Just go all out for God. Amen? Um, this morning, I have no idea where I'm going. You felt that you have no idea where you're going? I have no idea where you're going. But I hope this doesn't mean anything. Does not mean anything. It's just that to show that I have something on here. <laughs> but it doesn't mean anything at all. You feel like that, Kurt? Something's like, eh. I'm going to share something uh, this morning. I think God just, you know, through all the songs and the story of Elaine. I'm going to share about taking risks for God. The moment that you gave your life to Jesus Christ, 
the moment you say yes to him, you are taking risks. Now, the things that most of the time we want to know what is ahead of us. A lot of us want to know what is ahead of us. But taking the risk with God is only take step, one step at a time. And most often, He will not show you what is ahead. There is risk. And all of us took that every day. When I'm talking about taking risks, I'm not talking about the foolish thing that people do every day. I'm talking about the faith-filled risk for God, for His kingdom. I'm going to show you a clip to set up this clip. It's a clip from the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And I know you are holy people, you don't watch movies. <laughs> that is fine. This is a clip where if it's back in the 80s, man. How, how, if you are, probably the young people said, what? 80s? Um, in Jones last this is a movie where it's about the Holy Grail, where Indiana is an is a, is a, is a archaeologist that he searched for all these artifacts, everything, and there is a Holy Grail believe that this is the cup that Jesus drink in that movie. In this clip, where Indiana Jones um, and his father, played by Sean Connery, at this scene that he was shot and he was bleeding, he's about to die. And the only, they believe, Indiana believed that if he were to drink from this cup, he would be healed. And so, but Indiana Jones had to go through different maze to get through, uh, obtain these cups. And so, this is the clip. Go ahead, Leslie.
called a leaf of faith. You have a dead a lot of time in your life. Now, there's a research done that some people did research. I don't know who, but they, some people did research. Have you idea you read you read article and said so and so said so and so said? Who's that so and so? I have no idea. That might be not from North Pole somewhere. They say this: men are more likely than women to take more risks, according to the research. Men are more twice as likely to take more risks. However, men are more likely than women to be admitted to an emergency department after accidents, injury, or traffic accidents. So, men are, women, men are more than twice likely to die in accidents. You don't believe me, right? Men are, are twice likely to take more risks, but also men are twice likely going to die. Go ahead, Leslie. That's, that's the man. Next. Now, some of you laughing, maybe some of you do that. Next. Next. How many have done that before? Man, come on. Yeah, I know. Okay. He's probably about maybe 30 story, 20 story size, and he's cleaning the window right there. Okay, next. Now, next. <laughs> Fixing the thing in the middle of the road. Next. <laughs> he's mowing, he's mowing the hedges. Right there. <laughs> I, I think some of the men will go back and do this. <laughs> They'll be like, I have an idea that, honey, and when your wife said, honey, can you trim on the wedges? Yeah. <laughs> Look, next. Oh, they. <laughs> I, I know what happened. Don't do that. <laughs> Men are twice likely to die. <laughs> I am not talking about that kind of risk. That means the Bible said foolish. <laughs> or I said idiot. <laughs> it's amazing men are still... No, I'm saying different risks. 
I'm saying about taking risks for God. Stepping out. I, you know, amazing. I, when, when I prepared this thing, I was thinking of my, even my own life, my own journey. How I look at every journey taking risks for God. I still remember before I came here, it's, it's two years ago. And I still remember when, when I resigned from my job, I have no idea where I'm going. I have no idea. I was like, God, I believe that the season of my life is over and you're moving me to a new season. And I have no idea. I have no idea where God is taking, you know. I thought I established my ministry and everything. and I'm going to finish my ministry here at a place in Illinois. I thought that this is it. You know, I'm, I'm doing what God called to do. And, and then the season of life is over. You know, I felt like, man, I'm not young anymore. And I, you know, God, um, then I had to start all over again uh, in, in part of the ministry. But looking back, I, I looking back, I said, God, you are still amazing. You're still amazing. I, I still remember the first time when I arrived with my wife and pregnant with my older son at the time. And um, I still remember I was so excited um, you know, in serving God, that God called me because I was working a secular job. I'm doing really good. Um, I mean, the company is well for me and everything. And, and, but I know deep down in my heart that before I graduate from college, I want to serve God full time. That's my heart. And I know that God has not opened the door and has not confirmed yet. And I want, I want to share something, even all the college students. Sometimes when God speaks to you, it doesn't mean at that moment, at the time they need to change, there will be a season that God is raising and training you and the door is going to open. Some of you make mistakes going ahead and thinking that God is calling you right now. No, He's just telling you where He's going to take you, but He's going to set you a place of preparation first. And I thank God for that period of preparation in my heart because out of that period, God allowed me to experience and learn from all the mistakes and that I can impart to those who walk through the same journey. And sometimes God will give you a word doesn't mean you have to act on your word right now. That sometimes you have to sit on it and let the word become the word of God really change you first. Be in you first and mold and make in you first because before you move out. Sometimes you become too impatient, you want to step out and do things, and then you wonder where is God? Sometimes you have to wait. Sometimes God asks you to go now, but most times He asks you to wait. So what happened to me and, and, and after college, after college, about four years, that's all. I did. I work. I find a job. I work in a secular job. Young man, young woman, don't be lazy. Christian, as a Christian, you should be the most hardworking person in the whole world. If you are students, be the best student in your class. You will not be a good witness if you fail your class. No. I have a true story about a professor who teaches class every semester. There's a student who will invite the professor to church. And every, professor, every semester, the professor said, No, I'm not going. He said, No, I'm not interested in it. But one day, there's a student, a girl came to him and said, he said Professor, I, we have an outreach in our church. I would like to invite you. 
You say, I would like to come. Why the change? So the professor said this. He said, every semester, every student, they come and invite me to church. They, that student never come to school, never do their homework and fail in the class. Is that the God that I want to be? But when this student invite me, I want to go because you show the example has to be hardworking, a great students, and every day in class. And I said, I want to know what kind of God that he should serve. Student, your high call is to be a student right now. Be the best student you could be. Because then you can be a testimony to your professor. Because the world is watching your action more than your words. If you are an employee in a job, be the best employee. Don't cut corners. Don't be lazy. Be punctual. Don't complain. Don't grumble. Be the best. That's how you win the world to Christ. So I was four years and I was working and I said, then I, but I knew in my heart that I want to serve God. And one day we were praying together with my wife and I felt I need to take that risk. Because every step, take the risk. The risk is live not only behind my job, but the risk behind my country and my family and my food. It's a risk. Everyone else said, this is the dumbest thing you're going to do. Throw away a degree for a religion. Throw away a good occupation for a religion. You know, sometimes if you are walking with God, you call yourself disciple of God, people will think you are foolish, doing a foolish thing with God. Why, why you waste your time with this religion? But God said in His word in 1 Corinthians, He will use the foolish thing of God to confound the world. And so when, when I took that risk, coming here, I was, I was so excited because it's like, it's like God chose me to do this thing. And I came here and super excited and I was like, man, it's time to serve God. We are young at the time, late 20s, and, and then we're like, man, this is, this is it. Six months later, it dawned on me, I have no idea how to support my wife and my children. No idea. I wasn't paid, I don't have salary, I have nothing. And one day, one of the secretaries in, in the church asked me to help her to drive a car to help this professor whose wife passed away a few days ago, that he's going back to his hometown about three hours away. At that time, I have no ministry, no nothing. The first six months of my ministry, I just spent time seeking God. Now, let me challenge you, those of you who want to be called in full-time ministry, spend time to seek God. 
that's where you grow. For the six months, all I did is sought God and read the Bible and pray. That's all I did. No ministry at all and get to know the people. And during that period, I was, the secretary asked me to help her to drive this car and the trucks over to help this professor move. And I was, it's three hours drive. And during that three hours, I was just weeping and crying before God. Because this reality just set into me. See, when you are singles and you are college students, you can go to Walmart and buy a dollar of ramen noodles. Eight packet. And can, you can do it different style. And you can live on it. But when you have wife and children, mm-mm-mm. That's a different case. It's just dawned on me that I need to support my wife and my children and I have no idea where the money will come to, from. And so I was driving on the car for three hours and I was weeping and crying before God, pouring out my heart. I said, God, I know you called me. I know you sent me here. But God, I am so afraid because I have no idea how to support my family. One thing I learned about God is God never fails. But I also learned one thing that because I'm human, there is a point as a human, there's a feeling of fear, there's a feeling of uncertainty, there's a feeling of doubt, which is fine. It's what you do with it. You know, sometimes we pretend to be a super Christian and we t- tend to hide everything and say, oh, everything's okay. No. You got to pour it out to God and tell all your fear and your doubt and everything to Him and say, God, I'm struggling in this area. Tell me the book of Romans. If I get the right one. If not, I will change something else. Romans chapter 4. Now, Let me read from two portions um, of the scripture. I'm, I'm reading, I'm now in the Bible, in your pew is NLT. But I'm going to read some of the portion from New American Standard. Begin at verse 16, chapter 4, verse 16. Because this scripture really, when I was a baby Christian, really set me free of my dealing with God. He said, if God promised, it, talking about Abraham, if God promised is only for those, am I reading correct? Yeah. If God promised only for those who obey the law, the faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. 
For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have to is to have is to have no law to break. So the promise to receive by faith, it is given a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it whenever or not we live according to the law of Moses. If we have faith like Abraham's, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. This is what the scripture means when God told him, I make you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there is no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he will become the father of many nations. For God has said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. In New American Standard said on verse 19, he said this, Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body now as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. And you know the story is that in the book of Genesis, God appeared before Abraham and told him that his wife is going to have a baby. And Abraham told Sarah and said, Hey, what? you know what God just said? We're going to have a baby. And Sarah laughed because, Hello? Abraham, you know how old we are? According to science and doctor, it is impossible. That's why Isaac means laughter. And so in this scripture, in Romans said, God promised to Abraham that they're going to have a baby, a child. And in verse 19, it says that Abraham contemplated. He looked at his body and he looked at Sarah's womb. And he said it's impossible. But what he said next is this. Without becoming weak in faith. And said, verse 20, yet we respect to the promise of God. He did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. And what this, this principle taught me so much because God, he, Abraham looked at the impossibility and he looked at the promise of God. So most of the time in our life, we look at the condition in our life. God, if you to understand me, this is impossible. I, I, this, I have doubt and I believe all these things. But yet he looked at the promise of God and said, I trust in your promise, God. I saw the impossible, but I trust in your promise because you are greater than that. And so when I drove that three hours without whipping, crying, pouring out my heart with God, I saw the fear, I saw the impossibility, but I saw the promise of God that He will meet my needs according to His riches and glory. In your life, you have to settle that because you're going to face that trial and test every life. So I was driving that and I pouring out my heart to God and weeping and crying. So man, we do cry. 
woman? I think crying is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of humility. You know, God wept. And so I still remember, drove that three hours, and I, we, 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 we drove all his staff. We turned around and drive back. And on the way back, um, this secretary, while doing the journey, hand me, he said, oh, I forgot to give you something. Hand me an envelope to me. And I opened the envelope. He said, that professor just want to bless you. And I opened up the envelope in $60 inside. That moment when I opened the envelope, and God says to me, as clear I'm saying to you, from today on, I will provide for you. It's not about the $60. It's about that significant time. And that moment I knew, God will provide. Now, you say, oh, that's cool. You need to understand, the first three years of my ministry, I do not have paychecks. I don't send out newsletter. I don't send out prayer requests. And I have another child, two child coming. If you ask me today how, I say I have no idea. I don't have the formula, but I know God is faithful. There will, there will be a day, there were certain days in my life that we are, I was panicking because I have no idea what's going to be this month because you have to pay for the rent, pay the grocery and everything. I have no idea. You have no, I have no idea where the money will come from. But you know, it's, it's the fun time, it makes you pray more. It makes you fall on your knees more often. It makes you cry out to God all the time. And I think that's what taking risks is. It just makes you, take you from a place of comfortable to a place of uncomfortable, to a place that's known to a place of unknown. And sometimes that's what happened. You know what? That changed my ministry life. That I don't look to man, but I look to God to provide everything. Amen. Amen. Return with me to Genesis chapter 12. You know, Pastor Kurt preached about last week about encounter with God. And I was meditating on that this whole week. You know, God, in order for you to encounter with God, you have to take risks. Because you go from a place of comfortable to a place of uncomfortable. Because in order for you to encounter God, as the song said, we have to surrender all. We have to give all and put our trust in Him. You have to sacrifice time. You have to sacrifice priority. You have to give up everything in order to sought God and experience His presence. That's a risk-taking. 
Because you have no idea whether God is going to meet you or not. But you know in the Bible, every time when someone sought after God, go after God, God will meet him. And I want you to tell you today, anytime you take a risk for God, he will meet you there. That he will bless you. I never seen anyone, heard anyone that go after God and take a risk that God does not provide or bless them. Everyone in the Bible, example, a man and woman of God, when God called them out, God will bless them. Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curse you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And God told Abraham, leave everything behind. To go to a land that's foreign to him. Because in, if you turn to me to Hebrew chapter 11... I'm reading from NSB, Hebrew 11. Verse 8. Let me read for NLT. Verse 8. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God will give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Now, because when you read in, in Genesis chapter 12, you thought that, oh, Abraham knew where he's going. You know, the journey took about 50. 1,500 miles for him to travel from his place on earth to the land that God is sending him. That's a long way. There is no aeroplane. There is no car as walking and on camel. That's a long... It's, it means 1,500 is probably from Pennsylvania to Mount Rushmore. Colorado. Maharashtra, Colorado. Oh, wait. Yeah, Petra, how far is it? For that? How far is it from Colorado to here? About that, 1,500? Yeah. 15 from here, walking. Some of you might be give up before you say, God said, I want you to go, leave your family. Where? I'll show you later. <laughs> no, God, no, not later, now. No later. Can you imagine? And I have a, I have a, I have a story. Uh, what's his name? He's the one that could, wrote the book called Norman. He's always in the focus of the family. One day God spoke to him. 
He's a coal miner in Southern Illinois. All life coal miner. And he retired, and he's, all he does is every day he just listens to what God is saying to him and tell him what to do. One day God told him to go to Ireland, country. He said, when? God said, go and buy a ticket and go to this country, Ireland. Bought the ticket and flew to Ireland. He reached to the airport, standing at the gate. He had no idea what to do. He asked God, God, what to do next? He said, hail a taxi. Go up to the airport, hail a taxi. No idea. Taxi driver said, where would you like to go, sir? He said, take me to a hotel near the city. Any hotel. Any hotel? He said, yeah. Took him to the, to the city and then take him to a hotel. No idea. Go to the hotel. Go to the table and said, I would like to reserve a room. He said, how many days? He said, I don't know. He said, okay. Give him a room. Go upstairs, second floor. Sit down, open the door. Put a key down, sit on his edge of the bed. And say, God, so what's now? Then he knocked at the door. And he said, oh, that must be my divine appointment. Open the door, there's a maid, come in. And he thought, this is what my assignment is. But he didn't feel that. He didn't feel anything from God saying that. So the maid left. He just sat there. Whole day. Next day, sat on the edge of the table and obeyed and said, God, what's next? Nothing. On third day, he heard some noise on the, on, uh, outside his window. Look over. He saw two blind couples Singing. That's where they earn their money. So uh, maybe I should go down there. Went down and hear these two couples play and singing. At the end of the song, people drop money. Went back again the next day, the next day. Get to know the couple and strike a conversation. Long and behold, the two blind couple gave their life to Jesus Christ. And God told and said, said Okay, God, what's now? Go back home. <laughs> Flew all the way to Ireland. Have no idea what he's going to do. Let these two blind couple to Christ and then go back home. Now, to some of you, it's a waste of money and time. But to those who follow God, who are willing to take risks, will change the kingdom of God. Is it worth? Yes. I believe if that is the only assignment for him on earth, he's already accomplished it. Some of us too busy looking for other people's assignments. You know what we call that? Busy body. 
When God has already given you the assignment, but you're too busy looking for other people's assignment, you know what happened? You are going to miss assignment that God's going to give to you. And I'm going to tell you what, when you, if you miss your assignment, the assignment that God has given to you, He will take it and give it to somebody else. So you will miss the blessing. You'll miss the glory that God will give to you. God has given you an assignment. Stay in your assignments. Now I know you're looking for this big thing. Everybody looking for lightning and thunder. God, I want you to boom. I'm God. No, 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 no. I've never heard God's voice audible in my life before. Maybe some of you have. I never have God appear before me in real. But I know one thing. I do not need to have that to validate the reality of Jesus Christ. Because I know He's real. What I need to know is to run the lane that He's already prepared for me. The assignment is prepared for me. And to take that risk every time He showed to me. Don't worry about your neighbors. But to run the lane that God has prepared for you. And take the risk. And because I know one thing, the promise in Abraham is the same thing for us. When God launches out, set us out to a, to a place or a circumstances, situation or things that He wants us to do, He will provide and He will bless. He will meet your needs. So verse 4 said this, So Abraham went, went forth as the Lord has spoken to him, and Lord with him. Now Abraham was 75 years old. Elaine is 77. How many of you are here? How many of you are here above 70? Don't be shy. Zion. Okay, if you are above 70s, listen to this. It's not the end, it's just the beginning. Because Abraham was 75 years old when God told him to take that race. To leave behind everything, a familiarity, to go to the land of Anon. So Abraham, verse 5, to Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and all possessions which they have accumulated, and the persons which they have acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, thus they came to the land of Canaan. Verse 6, Abraham passed through the land as far as the Sea of Sikkim to the Oak of Moriah. Now the Canaanite was there then in the land. That's said, Not only God sent him to a foreign land, he sent to a land that is worshipping idols. A, for, a completely different beliefs. So Abraham passed through the land as far as the Sikkim. Verse 7, The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who has appeared to him. Verse 8, Then he proceeded from there to the mountain of the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And then he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of God. It's very interesting. God told Abraham to go to a foreign land and every time he, he reached to a place, he set an altar. Then he goes, I have this feeling, Abraham said, Okay, God, is this, is this where I should stay? Okay, move. 
And this is interesting. Every time when Abraham arrived to a place, he set an altar. Now, regular men and women, godly men and women, true follower, a man and woman, set an altar. But regular men and women set monument. Are you men and women set an altar or are you men and women set a monument? Because altar is a place of sacrifice. Our altar is a place of surrendering. So every time when Abraham set a pitch of tent, he set an altar and said, God, I am sacrificing. I am surrendering. I am taking this risk in obedience to your word. God will call you to do something that you have to lay a lot of things down. Some of you guys have to ask you to lay down your dreams. To lay down everything that you felt that you want to do on the altar of God. But let me tell you one thing. Everything that you lay down for God, He will make it better. That is something better. God has a better thing for you. You must believe that we are serving a God who's watch out for you, who have best plans for you. And when you take the risk and step out by faith, God will meet you there, empower you, equip you to do what He wants you to do. You know, I still remember when we were ministering in the um, nation of Philippines. Maybe some of you have been there before. If you are World War, if you are in World War II, you probably stationed in Philippines. And we were there in Philippines ministering to a pastor and the leaders. I still remember, I've never been to Philippines before. And we were flying to Manila at the time. And we were took to another uh, place called uh, in, in, in um, another um, village kind of thing. And then the place that we're staying is beside Mount Minatubo. Now, if you don't say Mount Minatubo, it's an active volcano. So while we are there in the thing, you can see the volcano still erupt with lava flowing down. So the people advise us, if, if, if the volcano erupt, run. <laughs> Thank you. So every night when we came back from ministering, we saw the volcano, lava coming down. And, and I was waiting for this thundering calm and erupt. And I still remember then, a few days we were there, and the pastor called and said, we want to take you with another person, a friend of ours, to another city so that you can preach on the radio station. I said, great. I will, no problem, let's go. He said, I will pick you up at night, about 8 o'clock at night. It's about one and a half hours journey. I said, that's fine. The day before we left, he called and said, uh, I think we have to reschedule it. It's the best we go in the morning. I said, why? Because at night, there's a lot of robbery. I'm afraid we will get shot. Thank you so much. 
Now, so we came, so in the next morning he came. He did not come with a car. He came with a bike. Three of us sit on the bike. For one and a half hours, we pothole along the way. And I was grabbing on the seat. This is it. If any, you know, by any mistakes, that's it, you're gone. For one and a half hours, we traveled there. And I felt like, God, okay, if this is it, this is the end of my life. Okay, God, if this is what I mean. You know, it's interesting when God asks you to take a risk, it's always take you to a place of excitement. It will scare you to death. He will ask you to do things beyond your ability and your comfort zone. The only thing, the only thing that will stop you is the fear. Fear will stop you. You know, the Bible said, we are not controlled by fear, but power, love, and sound mind or self-discipline. God called Abraham. And by not only call him, but he said, I will bless you. Some of you here need to take a risk for God. It might be out of your mind. It might be out of your family mind. Let me read a quote here. The person who risks nothing, has nothing, does nothing, is nothing and become nothing. He may avoid suffering and sorrow, but he simply cannot learn and feel and change and grow and love and live. When was the last time you did something that made you sit on the edge of your seat? When was the last time you did something the first time? You know, I don't want to go to heaven and bring regret along in my life. Amen. You know, if I take risks and fail, which is with fear, fail, I will say, yeah, that's a good journey. Take something else. But you will never know the blessing of God. You will never know the opportunity that God has availed for you. You will never know what God can do through your life if you don't take risks. You will never know. Hey, if people will call us foolish, let it be so if I'm doing for the kingdom of God. If people say you're wasted your time, let it be so if for the glory of God. At least it's try. Every successful man and woman in this world 
The reason where they are, because they take risks. The first person who invented light, Thomas Edison, he took that risk. Thousands of times. But because of him, we have lights. I'm just challenging you today as a body of Christ at Central Assembly. Let's take risks. Now, how it looks like will be different from you. You may, you, maybe today is the day that you never pray for someone. Maybe there is a risk that you step up to pray for someone. Maybe you never led someone to Christ. Maybe there is a risk that you take to lead someone to Christ. Maybe you have not shared the gospel to someone. Maybe today is the day you take that risk and share the gospel. Don't lose anything. For God, I believe, anything that do for Jesus and for glory, you have lost nothing if you have the right motive and the right intention. So what I'm going to do today is that I'm going to open the altar. Maybe God has spoken to you. Maybe you have battled this thing that God has asked you to do something that you are afraid of, fear of. God said, God, I'm willing to take that risk. I have no idea what's going to happen in the future. I have no idea what's going to ahead of me. But I'm willing to take that risk for you. It might sound silly. It might sound foolish. But God, I want to take that risk. So that you'll be glorified, that you'll be exalted. I have no idea what risk that you're going to take or what God has spoken to you, regardless of whether you're young and old. God wants to challenge you to take that leap of faith that we see on that movie. Trusting that and knowing that God is going to be there to me. So if you close your eyes, please, this, this morning. Lord, we thank you so much that you took the risk to come to this earth to lay your life down so that we have eternal life. You took the risk to pick 12 disciples hoping that they will turn the world upside down. So God, I pray even this morning in this room that you have given us the assignment and the word and because of fear has stopped our track in stepping out to do what you call us to do God so I pray this morning for your grace and for your strength and I pray that God even this morning that you will reveal yourself to each one of us that you're going to 
to walk with us even through that journey. So God, we ask you even this morning to give us the power and the strength and the faith to trust you to step out what you call us to do regardless what people think or what we think because your worth is all. God said to me today, this week, He said, So when you look to the face of God, when you look to His face today, and you will say to Him, Jesus, you are worth it all to take all the risks. God has spoken to you and, and showed to you. So I'm going to open this altar. Place of surrendering all the fears, all the doubt, all the unbelief, even yourself. Like Abraham set an altar, that you will send altar over here and say, God, I surrender everything that hindering me, stopping me from taking that step of faith. That when I leave this place, will you open that door and give me the grace and the strength to walk into that fear and to take that risk for you, for what you have called me, the assignment that you've given to me. And I will put my trust in You felt that thing, you need that surrendering, you need that giving all to God. I'm open this altar. As Adam lead us into worship, elders pass everything. You felt the need, maybe you you yourself too, as a pastor, elders, that you, you felt that maybe you need to take that step of faith too. You maybe you take the risk. Just come out. Or any one of you here say, come out. Take that risk. Say, God, I surrender all to you. Have your way in my life as I begin this journey of taking risks before you. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.